0: Welcome to the sexier than a squirrel podcast, the podcast that teaches you how to be the best dog owner a dog could ever wish for and to have a stress-free life with your dog. Now,
1: today we have a super exciting message for you, an episode for you. And the thing is, so many people ask us this very question and yet we've never really tackled it. And that is, I'm going to get another dog. I plan to get another dog or I plan to get a dog. How do I make sure that dog, my choice of dog, complements either my current dog, my current household, my current family, my current setup, my current other dogs? How do I make sure I pick correctly, knowing that... Actually, this is going to be an interesting time and we're going to make this commitment for potentially the next 20 years of our life together.
0: Absolutely. And so in in effect, this is kind of the first step to having a harmonious multi-dog household. And while there's always going to be training, you can never get away with not doing the training, nor would you want to get away with not doing it matching is really really important and you know the first tip that we've got for you here is that actually every dog has their strengths every dog has their weaknesses and if we think about when um a a multi-dog relationship a multi-dog household might get a little bit stressful or you might get kind of um fights breaking out or or just general struggles
1: and general like prickliness and general just edginess around the house
0: what what that is often driven by is actually two dogs that have kind of a similar weakness in that maybe they're both very very excitable or they're both um maybe maybe they're worriers or or maybe they value their resources and they can't disengage from them the key is when you put two dogs in the same room with the same weaknesses and they can't kind of balance each other out with you know with appropriate strengths then what you often get is kind of damaged relationships and they're not necessarily long Lived relationships, unless of course we're doing training. And there is always a game for that, but we're talking about what to do before you get into that situation.
1: Now, the big thing is this is a, a cool like moment. You fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. So let's prepare. And actually, on this note, I suppose I should say to all of you: if you've got a friend who might be getting another dog, if you have yeah. family who might be getting another dog, if you know someone who is making this decision right now, or you're listening thinking, oh my goodness, that is exactly what X is going through right mm-hmm. now, or Y is going through right now now, then you can share this episode because we're going to dive straight in here to exactly how you can get this right. Right, Tom?
0: Yeah, absolutely. How do you go about sharing it? So the way that you can share it is by sharing a link to the podcast or just telling them to, you know, search Absolute Dogs or Sexier Than a Squirrel on iTunes or Spotify or anything else, and you will find this episode. So...
1: Basically, this is something we want you to pass on as a message. We know it's a common struggle and we're going to dive right in.
0: So the first tip that we had for you was to match up those skills. So when you, you know... You're working with a maybe a rehoming centre, or you're working with a breeder, or you know someone who knows about the the you know the the dog that you're interested in bringing into your family. And really, what you're looking for is for them to to give you know a a a reasonable description of what they're good at, what they're not so great at, and don't see it as like you know like this is a weakness and this is how they're going to be. More like
1: a job interview. The way I would look at it is a job interview. And the reason I would say that, let me think. If I when I first brought in um, sort of gun dogs into my household compared to having herding breeds wow a difference and wow an eye-opener yeah. like it was such an eye-opener for me as a person for me as a, 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 a like to, for them as my family members for me as a dog trainer the fact that actually when my border collies have been a little bit edgy and spooky at certain ages absolutely not seen that so much in 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 in, in gun dogs or, or blink for sure and i know we're generalizing here but actually i think there's a place for that much less barky much less spooky much less likely to have like those explosive reactions and um, not saying they don't what we're saying is less likely and then if we consider things like i don't know um tendency um for um my cocker to want to carry things mm-hmm. they want to carry all the time and yet my border colleagues absolutely isn't in there to do yep. something like that and yep. so i suppose it's like looking at them and thinking and, and then does this wind the other dog up does mm-hmm. this make it difficult for the other dog does this um i suppose fill the bucket yeah,
0: right absolutely and so if we can match those you know match the 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 weaknesses with an appropriate strength or the you know the skills with an appropriate I'm thinking lack. of
1: another one is um, walking. I love walking with um, gun dogs and herding dogs because the gun dogs often get the herding dogs to go sniffing mm-hmm. and yet the herding dogs have been so busy eyeing everything up for hours and hours and hours and hours that it's quite nice to give them a, a bit of a de-stress and go off sniffing mm-hmm. and I really like to see that. Again, um, in my experience they're not so noise shy and they're not so aware of noises whereas my, mm-hmm. border collies and herding breeds certainly can be. You kind of balance 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 it up, you level the household up, you make the household just feel a little bit more harmonious somehow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And one of the big questions that that we get asked, and of course, you know, when we're talking breeds, we're definitely talking generalizations and, you know, many dogs, a lot of dogs don't read the the breed instruction manual of how they should behave.
1: Or can go a little bit faulty. I for sure had uh, Border Collie who, who liked to nip, way too often and take it a little bit further Poppy was a certainly a very very naughty but nice dog and mm. actually wasn't necessarily completely true to her her breed on the extremes that she went to the yeah. thing is what we've got to remember is like Tom said they haven't read the journal right
0: that's it and so you know the other question that we often get asked and again we're talking generalizations here is what to do in terms of matching the the gender of the dog such so, a
1: common one do, I, common do I get one. a boy do I get a girl I've yeah. got a, say, let's say um, and this is this podcast has come directly from a client Asking mm-hmm. us. Um, I'm going to get another dog. Um, I have a, a female. She's um, under, she's just a year old, or she's close to a year old. Um, she lives alone. She's the apple of our eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, in fact, we would like to get another dog. We were thinking about a bitch, but some people have said maybe a dog would be better. Mm-hmm. What do you think?
0: Yeah. And so the you know, the answer to that is that every you know, there's so much individual variation, and when we're talking about these things, actually the variation between individuals in dogs is far greater than the variation between breeds or the variation between genders but the the interesting thing is is that when we're talking entire dogs entire animals what we're what we're thinking about here is actually if we were to think about the female well every time a female dog has a season or a heat or whatever you want to call it they're very unique as a species in that for nine weeks following that season they have high progesterone now that high progesterone causes them to be more reactive causes them to become more pessimistic seriously they will vigilant value, much yeah, more vigilant they'll value resources more than they normally would and they'll be prepared to, you know, um, want to keep those resources. And, and then if there's a confrontation, then if following that season, they'll be much more likely to engage in that. And so. If we think about then two entire females in the same household, and you think about how often they can kind of synchronize their cycles, that can be a bit of a recipe for disaster. Because now what you've got is two females that now have the same weaknesses because they're being hormonally driven by progesterone. Often together. Yeah, to be more reactive, be more pessimistic, to you know, be more prone to resource guarding, and they're living in the same space. That's a concern. And yet, you know, we think about them matching, say, a female and a male well you know what the males are not going to have those phases of progesterone of course we can talk about neutering but actually it's worth talking about this because in some countries neutering is considered you know it's a, a mutilation it's not something that that should be done and so you know if we if you've got all the information all the biology biological understanding then you can actually make great choices
1: now no tom i've got a question here and this might be a bit too uh, out there and you might just say lauren this was not a question for the podcast but in the past, dogs that we've had here at training, mm-hmm. even when they have been, um, they're not entire, so they're mm-hmm. spayed um, bitches, they can still seem to be hormonally driven or at least have times when they are much more um, difficult for bitches to live with other bitches. Um, and I know that we've had lots of people here as clients or at the mm-hmm. centre um, or having, coming to stay uh, and have had that struggle. Do you think that's a valid, and, and this is coming at it from mm-hmm. a vet perspective, so, is this a valid concern or is this a, because those bitches definitely seem to have that, but I can also see tendencies to be similar anyway
0: yeah so again there's way more individual variation than variation between genders and breeds and whatever else but the often what you can what you'll you'll find is that when a, a, a bitch has had a season they've become you know more pessimistic or whatever else because there is nine weeks that that happens over with a dog and that's they're, they're totally unique as a species in that respect. Actually, they can learn a lot of bad things in that nine weeks following the season. And so if they've had a season, they've had that nine weeks and if maybe they've not made some great choices in those nine weeks following that season and then they're spayed, actually the learning can, can continue. So effectively,
1: they can, the rehearsal's already there. Yeah, the learning's they, continued. They
0: can continue to maybe um, be a, a more prone to resource guarding or, you know, if they, if they reacted to another dog, especially, you know, another dog in the household at that time, that can persist despite the hormones no longer being there. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of debate about, you know, if to spay, when to spay and whatever else. But if we look at the facts, actually nine weeks of progesterone after every season, that is a nine week window where behavior is very vulnerable as a result of that. And struggles can develop in that nine week window that then can persist despite the hormones settling down, regardless of whether they're, you know, spayed or or between seasons effectively you know after the nine weeks we enter this this period of of anestrus where the, the the hormonal cycling isn't happening and so actually they are much the same as a, a spayed dog in that or a neutered neutered female dog in mm-hmm. that time and um, and so um, it's it really is what you know what they make themselves vulnerable to learning in that time following a season so really you know there's, there's a lot of debate about matching and whatever else. And, you know, there's no hard and fast rule because the reality is there's way more individual variation than anything else. But one thing that we can say for sure is that keeping many entire females in a small space, all of them cycling, that is. Potentially, if not well managed, and you you know you're constantly reshaping their brains and growing their skills, that is that that's more—it's much more volatile
1: situation than having
0: like two males or a male and a female, for example.
1: Now, um, again, uh, and this was a really brilliant student who asked us this question, and she said, "How about a male and a female?" Now, the thing is, and I think this is really important that we consider female, female, male, female, um, uh, male, male, um, in in lots of different respects. But for me, or and for me, I should say, actually, again. Again, it's the right male just like we said it's the individual so it's still looking for the right male yeah. so her dog is fairly level mm-hmm. fairly balanced has um, probably had one season and then spayed I think because she was mm-hmm. spayed at a year so likely to have had one season and then spayed yeah. although I am surmising here and so actually um, could be could be nice to put her with a male mm-hmm. could potentially be okay to put her with a female actually most importantly needs to be the right uh, dog yeah. that we, we match with
0: yeah and so when we talk about matching we're talking about matching potential weaknesses to strengths so that the other dog can compensate. So for example, let's say one dog Let's take Bet. Let's take
1: Bet. Bet yeah. is so, very, 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 very um fast twitch, yeah, reactive, quick type.
0: Absolutely. And so she would find movement very, very stimulating. And so the the pairing that maybe wouldn't be natural. We, we've would always be, said
1: easy and bet. Exactly, <laughs> the
0: the pairing that wouldn't be very natural is to pair her with a dog who, in the set, in a small space, with a dog who's also stimulated by movement. Because one of them moves, it'll stimulate the other. It'll make that one move. That one will they're, then move more, and you enter this they're vicious both, cycle. Like,
1: amazing fast twitch, cool energy, high energy, serious mm. eye sort of stalk on them. Mm. They're just really. I mean, they're probably very very similar. Yeah, in exactly. lots of ways, and
0: that's what we. You know, if you if you match for similar weaknesses or, you know, and when we say weaknesses, some weaknesses are strengths in other situations, Like I consider that in the house.
1: They're reactive, like dogs, both mm. of them. But I consider that a real benefit to what mm. we do. And that's why they look so great on camera. And yeah. when I say reactive, what I mean is fast to react to yeah. us. Yeah. They're not bad. They're not difficult with listen. other dogs. They're really quick to listen, quick to respond. <laughs> yeah. I'd say we're both reactive. Yeah. And so I think um, it depends it. on what we're talking about, and but those, mostly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: like, and that's it. And so what we've got is, a you know, now two dogs that actually... Wasn't, it wasn't a problem when they were by themselves, but then you put, you, you double up and they get themselves in tricky situations. Another example might be where one dog struggles to disengage from another dog, right? Um, but maybe that, but you know, there are two examples that could go wrong here. Maybe putting another dog who also can't disengage from other dogs in that situation. You're going to have constant. Playing, constant over excitement and you're going to have to work really hard to make that a calm space um and yet if you potentially matched a a dog that liked other dogs with a dog that maybe didn't value other dogs but you know was absolutely cool calm and collected with them that's probably a much more appropriate combination because then you've got dogs that can live harmoniously it's like not constantly play 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 and of course we're talking natural behavior here you know their their default but all of this can be trained and, you know, the question from the student was, what should I do? What, how can I best prepare? We're talking about how best to prepare. Some of you are going to be listening thinking, oh I see my issue here I have three dogs and they all have the same weakness oh dear no that's absolutely fine there's a game for that there's stuff that we can do to grow them forward on it we're we're specifically answering the question if you're in the situation where you've just got one dog and you want to add another and you're considering
1: another another dog or considering adding a dog to your household and maybe you've got cat's family you haven't Mm. actually got your dog yet you're pre-listening you're preparing we've got lots of great owners like that Um, another thought that um, I had with um, our dogs Um, I, I remember walking Poppy and and uh, One thing that she really could do to a group of dogs, any group of dogs, mm-hmm. is she could kick arousal through the roof. Mm-hmm. So you'd pop, pop her on a lead. So I'm thinking now, I, I walk ever and I walk, um, I walk style together down down the bridle path. If I was to put Poppy into that mix, mm-hmm. she would have them all squealing. Mm-hmm. So they would be walking, going <laughs> he 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 he. Mm-hmm because Poppy did. And yeah. so another one would be uh, going in the vehicle to a dog show. As soon as she was in the vehicle, the whole mm-hmm. vehicle would be like, hey, 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 hey. and yet they're quite nice to take, on. Uh, they're yeah. really nice to take alone. They are yeah. nice dogs to travel with. And yet Pop could throw arousal through the roof, like the arousal would be gone. And that was yeah. again, just one dog adding to the mix of they had the tendency there. And at the same time, they wouldn't necessarily do it um, alone, the arousal with her in the mix just always seemed to mess mess it up. I don't know, um, yeah. and, and that was just how it how it appeared. Yeah, and,
0: and the interesting thing is, is that when we talk about multi dog households, and there's a whole episode on multi dog households. Please you can check listen it out, guys. To, check it out if you're thinking, oh gosh, now I understand why my multi dog household is stressful. Listen to that episode. Um, but the, the you know the concept that that we introduce you to there of the household bucket, so every every dog effectively sharing this same bucket. And exciting things pay into that bucket. Often it can just be, it can be one dog in the household that's contributing the most fill to that bucket. And they're, you know, they're filling that bucket the most, whether it be because they're constantly on the move or they're constantly being stimulated by the other dogs moving or whatever it might be. And so I guess the, there are some personality types that actually putting them in any multi dog household, there's definitely some training that's going to need to be done and like poppy is an example of that she was very stimulated by other dogs movements. she was also quite a movement-based dog anyway and would be quite reactive to you know any event i think she was
1: probably the first dog that we worked with uh doing the rewarding nothing yeah didn't we 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 came up with one of the training academy games yeah
0: she didn't understand the concept of doing nothing and so you put a dog like that into any multi-dog household and you know you, you can you can t- turn you know six i don't know horizontal dachshunds into crazy beasts by adding a adding that kind of bucket fill to that environment and so i guess if you if you're listening to this thinking i've got one dog or i've got two dogs and it's all gone fine i'd like to add a third dog and you're thinking i'd like to make my life as easy as possible and not you know artificially train something this is what we. This is what we'd advise. We'd actually say, make sure you're matching a dog who's naturally calm. Make sure you're thinking about a dog who isn't necessarily stimulated by the movement of other dogs because you're putting them into, you know, the the, Cons- the big environment. Consider
1: there. how they complement each other. Consider how um, they can um, balance each other out. Again, this morning, I was walking Blink, and she helped um, me to walk um, Brave, who was slightly more aware of noises. Mm-hmm. And because there's a lot of banging going yeah. on on site, I took her with Blink. Blink goes out, and they balance each other off, and. Yeah. and- I can't say that um, in my experience, as much as we we certainly said that we don't want to generalize too much here, I would say on the whole male and female together, I have, from the training center, a lot less friction mm-hmm. with the right male and female. I yep. think that I seem to see same sex seem to have some more struggles potentially. And that we're generalizing completely mm-hmm. here. But at the same time, that's what I've seen in numbers. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, you get the right dog, the right bitch together. Actually, they can really work um, nicely. The right bitch, the, the right bitch, they can mm-hmm. work really really nicely together yeah. again um so many things to observe so many things to learn uh, it's not a right answer it's not a wrong answer it's what can we train mm-hmm. to improve the situation if we're in it mm-hmm. and what can we do to prevent the situation if we're not already um there
0: yeah absolutely and you know hopefully what you take from this is be intentional and then make the leap of faith and acknowledge that actually they're complex animals and we can't account for every single variable
1: there's no no perfect right
0: exactly and you know the thing that we keep coming back to is there's way more variation between individuals than there than there are between than there is between say genders or breeds and so you know what work with the breeder rehoming center person who knows about that dog talk about you know the what your dog's great at, maybe what your dog needs to work a little bit more on, match them up so that they don't, you don't need to work on the same thing with both dogs, and you're gonna find it a lot easier to integrate a new dog into your house. Now, we
1: hope you enjoyed this episode. It's been, I think, really enlightening to talk about it. And all through, one of our training academy students asking us, actually, what do I do? What do I do? And that was all from uh, her question in the academy. And that's
0: our tips. So with that, guys, that was this episode of the Sexier Than A Squirrel podcast. Um, Leave a review if you have not already. Share this with a friend if they're looking for a new canine Partner, and we will see you in the next episode. Remember, stay sexy. Hey, before you go, have you taken part in the worldwide Sexier Than a Squirrel Challenge? It's
1: a 25 day online video programme. Huge energy, amazing community, and over 6,000 people are already taking part.
0: The only question is you know where you are today. Where do you want to be 25 days from now? Head to absolutedogs.me forward slash sexy.